Good morning. Welcome to Old Zion Hill Baptist Church. I'm glad that you've chosen to come and join us as we worship our Lord Jesus. I hope that you enjoyed our praise team. And I look forward to sharing with you this morning some words of encouragement uh, as we look into God's Word for guidance. I want to ask you to pray with me for just a moment. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you that you are our God. Thank you for our, our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, that you sent to die for our sins and raised from the grave to live eternally as the Lord of all. We ask you to open our minds and our hearts as we look into your word. Speak to us, Father. You know the needs of people today. We ask you to meet those needs through the power of your spirit as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're continuing our series of course corrections, James's letter to scattered Christ followers. As of now, we're still a scattered church and... Um, we often have this saying, we gather to worship and we scatter to serve. During this season, I've chosen to look at James' gospel or James' uh, letter to the scattered churches because I think there's a similarity to what, he was, to what was going on in the church when he wrote this letter in the uh, 40s, not long after uh, Christ was crucified and resurrected and ascended. James wrote this as a response to needs within churches that were scattered because of persecution. And all of us look forward to the day that we can gather unhindered back together in the same building, in the same place. We don't know when that'll be, but uh, we look forward to that. And uh, we, we keep seeking and praying for God's work in our country, in our nation, in our world. Um, James' letter to the scattered churches, Course Corrections, this morning we're going to focus on verses uh, 19 through 27 in the first chapter of James. And let me read those for you and you can read along with me. My dear brothers, take note of this. That's James' way of saying this is important. This is very important. Everybody pay attention. Everyone, and that's everyone, that's me and you and everyone else, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. James is, a, is saying that moral filth and evil that is uh, prevalent in society and can be prevalent in us is a barrier to the Word of God having uh, effect in our lives. And it's something we have to re seek to remove so that we can hear clearly and act rightly based upon God's Word. Verse 22, he says, do not merely listen to the Word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Anybody who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, 
that gospel of Jesus Christ into the perfect law, that law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it will be blessed in what he does. If anyone, and that's for all of us, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that, our, that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Course corrections. James talks about the power of the tongue. Now this morning you'll notice that we've moved our location uh, up until this point. I've been able to preach in my yard and today there's a uh, possibility of, on, on Thursday when we're filming this, there's a possibility of strong thunderstorms, hail and tornadoes. And we decided to move inside today and uh, thought I would bring back to your memory here some view in the the building that we gather to meet as a church for a few moments. Uh, James talks about the power of the tongue. Last week we had a we had some visitors and uh, the bird, the shooting, and the storms. Uh, the shooting eventually stopped. There, I did not know that there was a shooting gallery about a mile from my house, but. Uh, and apparently a bird narrowly escaped and came to tell us all about it while we were worshiping and while I was preaching. So hopefully today we won't have those distractions. Listen, the stress of being scattered. And there is stress. The stress of being scattered affects our emotions and it creates opportunities for our tongue to rule over us rather than submit to our rulership in Christ. It creates opportunities for sinful interactions. What we say, when we say it, and how we say it are keys to defeat or to victory. And so James knows that. One of the stresses that this, this time of uh, social distancing, this time of being out of work, this time of children being home all of the time, this time of not being able to go anywhere. Debbie and I got in the car and rode as far as we could uh, and came back home one day just to look and see. Some of you have done drive-by and, and waved at other Christians because you just can't stand to be in the house so long. But listen to me. This time is going to be very stressful for a lot of people. Just ordinary, normal people. Good families, it increases stress. But if you're struggling with some dysfunction in your home, Part of what is happening is addictions will come out. Uh, people will turn to their stressfulness to relieve that by uh, alcohol or drugs or uh, pornography or some other distraction. And James is calling us and trying to help us as scattered Christians to focus on real relief that can help us in our walk with God. And he gives us some very good advice on how to make course corrections. So first of all, I want you to notice the general overarching advice that he gives in verse 19. He says, this is for everyone. Uh, you can take your, you know, I always ask at church, point to your neighbor and say, this is for you. 
and then put your finger in your chest and say, oh, this is for me. James says, attention, hey, interrupt this broadcast. There is an important matter that you need to consider right now. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The Bible has much to say about the power of the tongue. In fact, in the Old Testament, we learned that God spoke. And all that was created was created because God spoke words. And he spoke into creation. We learned in the Old Testament that, uh, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Now, I know that some prosperity preachers uh, who are focused I'm not saying this is against anybody who speaks prosperity. The Bible has a lot of prosperity teachings in it. The first one is work. Second one is rest. It's found in the first three chapters of Genesis. There are a lot of prosperity preachers who will say that you can create life by your tongue. God is the creator. But it is true that what we speak and what we tell ourselves and what we say of our situations has power in our lives and has power in other people's lives. Power of life and death is in our speech. The Bible warns us about the proper use of our tongue. Jesus said, by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. James talks about speech in every chapter. All five chapters has a very very uh, succinct message about the use of the tongue and how to use it. And so he has this overall, this overarching message. Everybody, grab hold of this. Learn to, discipline yourself to, submit to the working of the Spirit in your life. Learn to listen quickly. Speak slowly. And don't become angry very quick. Unfortunately, in stressful times, we humans might turn that around. We might become quick to speak and slow to listen. In fact, a lot of the problems of contention, the Bible says pride only comes, uh, contention only comes through pride. And pride is that, uh, that thing that's going off in your brain and my brain when I'm in a situation and my emotions are wavering and I'm, I'm hearing words I don't want to hear. I'm hearing something that feels like condemnation or rejection or whatever it is, criticism. Instead of being slow to speak, I become quick to speak in an emotional reaction. Instead of becoming slow to be angry, uh, I'm prone to let anger flare up quickly. The Bible warns about anger in Ephesians chapter 4 when it talks about putting off the old person who's dominated our life before Christ, that we still have to deal with. We're forgiven of our sins, but the transformation of our life that comes to Christ is when we put pride and ego on the cross. And some of the manifestations of that are that I'm quick to become angry. The Bible warns us that Satan gains a foothold in our life when we are quick to anger and we do not deal righteously with that anger. Look in Ephesians chapter 4 and, and read that passage where it says, Be angry, but don't sin. 
Do not give Satan a standing place in your life. These are times that try us. James warns against quick words and quick anger because, please hear me, anger, anger, my anger, your anger, our anger does not, has not, will not, cannot ever bring about God's righteous plan in our lives. It thwarts the work of God. Stress is so dangerous because stress pushes us to the edge. And God calls us to a course correction regarding how we respond to life situations and how we use words and the interaction of our words, whether we listen or we speak, whether we consider our speech and whether our speech is influenced by anger or whether it's influenced by the word of God that's implanted in us. And so this general observation tells us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Listen, friend, you can't do that in your own power. You need Jesus Christ. I need Jesus Christ. And I need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit who is full of kindness and gentleness and self-control. The second major point I want to share with you today in James uh, suggestions to us or his words to us about about uh, course corrections is that God's word calls us to focus on our response to God's truth and make that the priority in our life. Verse, verse 21 tells us this. Verse 21 says, Therefore, since God's, since God's uh, righteous plan is never achieved or accomplished through your human or my human anger. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word that has been planted in you, which can save you. It's interesting to me that Jesus said it's not what you eat, but it's what you speak that defiles you. Because what we speak out of our mouth comes out of a heart that is, has wickedness in it. And when we speak out of a heart that is not a heart that's been restored by God, we speak unrighteous thoughts that proceed out of a heart. Sin has an occasion and uh, connects to our speech. And so James calls us to get rid of that moral filth and that prevalent evil. Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, talks about how uh, when he talks about fasting from words and the use of the tongue, how God gave us a tongue to use to bless. And yet uh, we often use words to control, to try to control other people. You can see that in the political, <laughs> the political arena all the time where people give words new meanings in order to deceive but in a practical way in your life and my life, one, one reason that we are quick to speak when we feel offended is because we want to justify ourselves. And somehow we think if we can speak all the words or we can use our words to turn the attention back on the person who's speaking to us rather than hearing and seeking to understand and respond to the, to the truth of the matter, 
We use words to distort and to defend our reputation in others. And James speaks of this as aligned with moral filth and prevalent evil. Repentance that goes into the heart, goes into the mouth, in what goes in and what comes out in our thought life. The Bible says, humbly accept that word God implants that has power to save. Listen, he's talking about, first of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. And the good news of Jesus has bad news in it. And the bad news is that you and I are sinners. We, are, we have a pre-program in our being as human beings that, that affects us through Adam. We've received... We've received something from Adam from the beginning of creation. And as a result, we are pre, uh, <clears throat> pre-programmed to have moral conflict in ourselves and to desire that which is wrong in God's eyes. And we become sinners when we put our hands and our, and our heart expresses itself in, in actions and words and speech that is not conforming to God's will. The gospel is a good word that is spoken to us. And James says we need to humbly accept that and focus on that. The gospel, listen, the gospel calls us to consider the reality of our situation. The gospel calls us to, um, for active obedience. We are not saved because we hear the gospel. We are saved when we hear the gospel and we respond to that gospel with active obedience. Obedience that causes in us belief, not just a mental concept, but to believe upon a change of, of thought pattern toward what God has told us. We take for real what God has spoken about his son and about our lives. We believe it. Repent, active Obedience to the gospel requires repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a change of the affections. It is a change of direction in our life. It is turning away from self-determinant living and self-living that is controlled by the world around us and it is seeking to to have God's control in our life, to do those things which please God our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is a change of direction. We are called upon to the activity of accepting, embracing Jesus Christ. One word in the Bible that uses it says, uh, Jesus is the the God who created the earth has sent his son to recapture and reclaim this earth for his own glory. And the Bible affirms the need to kiss the son and, and what that's referring to is a foreign king, a king whose own property has been conquered by another king and he sends his son to retake it. And when you come into the land, you're either with him or against him. Jesus used those kinds of words. To accept Christ is not just a mental affirmation. To accept Christ means that I personally accept him and I become a follower of him. The Bible calls us to active The action of receiving Christ. For to receive something means that you actually take it. I have in my pocket these keys. Now, I'm not giving you my keys, but if you were here and I said, 
take my truck and go to the store. Here are my keys. You could not go to the store in my truck unless you did something in response to what I said. And that would mean you would have to personally come and take the keys. The gospel calls for us to individually, by an act of our will, receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The gospel calls upon us to actively confess Christ as our Lord and to actively begin to follow and continue to follow him. To follow means I take action in my life. Humbly accept the word of God implanted in us. James is alluding, alluding to the teaching of Jesus that there are four kinds of soil. There's a shallow soil that's rocky, not enough room. The seed falls, it falls on the, uh, the shallow soil. It comes, begins to spring up, but it never produces fruit. The, the, the seed that's sown on the, the ground that is trodden and hardened and, uh, and it, can't, it can't penetrate, so it's taken away by the birds of the air. has no impact. The seed that falls upon soil that is uh, growing thistles and thorns, and it grows up, but it never produces fruit. And then the seed that falls upon the good soil, where the, where the seed is implanted, and the seed that is implanted causes a plant to grow that produces good fruit. James is urging us, to not just hear the gospel, but to accept it into our lives and focus upon that gospel. I want you to see this quote. And so we're going to put it on the screen. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not a theory to believe in your mind. It is a command to obey. If you only have a mental or superficial response to the gospel... You're still lost and need to be saved. God calls us to accept Christ into the core of our being and to crown him as Lord of our lives. The third point that I want to share with you today out of James's uh, book in the first chapter, verses 22 through 27, is, is this. Transformation of life calls for continued obedience to God's word. A person can believe for a moment. A person can have, you've heard of jailhouse com, uh, conversions. And by that is meant someone who responds in a, in, a, in a circumstance in order to control the opinion around them so they can get out and go and live their life they want to, want to. I tell people often when they call me and say, my wife or my husband has left me and I, I need to get my heart right with God and, and preach, I need you to talk to me about this. And I will often say, if you want to use God just to get your wife or your husband back in order to continue living life the way you've lived it, I can't help you. But if you will allow God to become the, uh, the God of your life and you will crown Jesus and you will follow him regardless of the response of your spouse, then I can probably help you because God will help you. And uh, there's a good chance if God makes those changes in your life, that he will work in your spouse's life. Transformation of life doesn't come from a, from a momentary feeling. It doesn't come because I raise my hand in a response. It comes when I begin to focus on the gospel of Jesus and I take it seriously and I 
seriously and authentically respond to that gospel. And then I begin to continually obey God's word. There's, there's a word for salvation in the, in the Bible. And then there's a word that we use, we call sanctification. The results of genuine salvation, that is, when our hearts have genuinely be put, have been put right with, with God through faith in Jesus that is real, we will not become perfect people, not here, but we will become focused people who then begin to take God's word into our hearts and lives and apply it to our life situations and redirect our lives. That's called sanctification, the redirection of your life, the transformation of your life by taking God's truth and making application in our day-to-day living. Transformation of life calls for continual obedience to God's word. Verse 22 through 27, James speaks of that. Verse 22 through 26, James says, don't just be hearers of the word who do not practice because hearers who do not practice the truth are deceived. They're self-deceived. Verse 22 says, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. In other words, James is saying this morning, if you hear this message and, and God speaks to your heart about a needed change in your life and you walk away from today and you get focused on something else, you're, you're just like a person who gets up in the morning. And I don't know about you, but man, I, I miss... I miss assembling together, but I also miss haircuts. And, uh, and so I'm not doing a real good job on my own haircut. And my wife is probably going to help me with that. But I need Ernie the barber to take care of my hair when this is over. So I can get up in the morning, I can look in the mirror and say, man, you're a mess. And hear my puppy outside bark and go out to see what's going on there. And from there, go to the garden. And from there, go to... Uh, to this place and to that place. And at the end of the day, I look in the mirror and I think, oh, you know what? I didn't do a single thing about what I saw. On Sunday mornings and on Bible study days, and when we open the word and God speaks to our heart and we recognize the need for a change, but we get distracted with life instead of focusing on that need to change. James says that you're an un- you're you're a hearer who forgets and not a doer. And so he's encouraging you and I. He's encouraging all of us to look intently at the law of Jesus Christ and to be doers, practitioners. Jesus said in John's gospel, chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, if you continue, if you continue in my words, You will know the truth and the truth will set you free and you will prove to be my disciples. You see, it's not just hearing the word, but it's practicing the word that proves that we're his disciples, that sets us free from the things that distract and destroy our lives. Victory comes when we Choose to not just be a a mirror man who looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like, but we take action. And then James says, if if you call yourself religious or a believer, but you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, you're deceiving yourself and your religion is worthless. That's pretty strong language. 
We're not talking about sinless perfection. But we are talking about addressing the issue. Sometimes people say, well, that's just how I am. God made me that way. No, God did not make you with a sharp, angry tongue. You, you found that all on your own. Something might have happened in your life. You might need to go back and deal with what happened in your life that created in you a sense of a need, deep need to defend yourself and to take control of situations with an angry tongue. James says, look at God's law and let it be applied in your heart and then focus on it and watch God do the work of transformation in your life. Real faith is what we practice. James kind of sums up his section here on words, on the word of God, on speaking, on doing, on hearing, and on doing. And he says, you know, authentic faith is faith that you can see in practice. It's not the gab it and the grab it. It's not the name it and the claim it that is self-centered and not God-centered. It is faith that looks into God's word and then looks to God and focuses your life on seeing it and then working to do it. On showing it so that you can tell it. He gives a very practical illustration of that. Pure religion, undefiled in God's eyes, is, is simply this. It's the person who visits the widow and the orphan. And when the Bible speaks of visit in this manner, it's speaking not of going by for a cup of coffee and a chit-chat. It's, it's speaking of compassionate action to those who are needy, to those who are defenseless. In that culture, in that time, an orphan had no defense, had no source of food. It is an evil and an angry world for an orphan to be born and starved, even by relatives. And I've seen some of this in the third world. For a widow, when the husband's family comes in and takes everything because it was his and she has no rights. I've, I've seen that in other countries. James says, real religion takes the word of God and the love of God and the, and the power of the, of, of the teachings of Jesus Christ and applies them in concrete action. And that concrete action can look just like this. When you see defenseless people, when you see a man beaten and robbed in the ditch, like the Good Samaritan, stop and put your life, put your money, put your time at risk and invest in helping those who need help. After all, that's what God calls us to do because that's what God does. Today, I want to encourage you and I want to invite you to surrender your heart and life to the truths of God's word, the gospel of Jesus that calls us to hear, to respond, that tells us that we're a sinner, but that God loves sin, sinners and as a result of his love for us, even while we were sinners, sent his son Christ to die for us. That calls us to leave a life dominated by sin and come to the Savior who can take us out of sin and take us away from that and forgive us and wash us and make a new person out of us. If you've never accepted Christ, 
The Bible says that Jesus came into his own. His own didn't receive him. But everyone that received him, to them he gave the power or the authority to become children of God. He calls you to himself. Will you come to him? Some of you are on Facebook. Some on YouTube. Today, if you need Christ in your heart, why don't you find a place and get alone? Get on your knee if you're able. And ask God to forgive you and come into your heart. And give you a new life. Take his good news. And God will do good things in your life. Christ followers. Just because we are coming to Christ. Our lives are not perfected. I'm not all that I want to be. And I struggle with things. That uh, my old nature. Wants to assert lordship in my life. And many of us do. And so James gives us some very very good advice. Ask God, why don't you find a place and get along? Ask God, God, today I sincerely want to become a person who's a listener, who seeks to understand rather than forces to be understood. I want to be a listener. I want to be quick to listen. Oh God, change my heart. Change my life. Help me to walk with you. And help me to control my anger in a way that points to your righteousness slow to speak slow to listen no slow to speak quick to listen slow to anger quick to listen and quick to love why don't you take some time today to take an evaluation talk about this with the family that's with you pray for one another And pray for me. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.